0: Welcome to Crohn's and Colitis Perspectives on ReachMD. This series is produced in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, providing updates and driving innovation in IBD research, education, and clinical support.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Frankel. I'm accompanied today by Dr. Neil Nandi. We're going to be talking about intimacy and inflammatory bowel disease. I think, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but sexuality is something that's pretty much difficult to talk about at any stage of discussing medicine you know discussing things with our patient whether it's internal medicine or even in more complex diseases like inflammatory bowel disease so for inflammatory bowel disease how do you approach this with your patients specifically why should this be a focus of our discussion with our patients who have a very complex underlying medical condition. I'm glad we're
0: talking about this subject, actually, Rob. Like you said, in, in our society, all right, sex is taboo. When we talk about intimacy, it, un- ironically, although we have a pretty racy society in social media, when it comes to our own private lives, when it comes to the confidentiality between our patient and physician relationship, we really don't open up and talk about it. So the way I approach it with my patients and the way what motivates me to really talk about it as a line of research, as a line of patient interest, is I think about quality of life. There's all these fancy quality of life scores that are around. And when I think of quality of life, I think of, well, can I go and take care of my activities of daily living? Can I pee? Can I poop? Can I bathe myself? All those basic things. And there's the other part of it, which is can I go out there, make a living, bring home the bread for my family and have self-esteem that I was able to provide? And then the last part of this triangle, you could say, is can I maintain healthy relationships? And not just intimate relationships. Intimacy and relationships is between myself and my brother, my my cousin my wife my sister a friend right and when we have inflammatory bowel disease you know crohn's and colitis penetrates every aspect of our lives And no doubt that includes the intimacy encounter, right? So when we're in the doctor's office, we talk about, well, can I pee? Can I poop? Can I shower? Can I go to school? Can I find parking? Can I find a bathroom in time? We talk about how the disease affects us to go to school, how it affects us from working full-time perhaps or takes us out of work and out of play, right? But we don't talk about, we don't spend enough time talking about relationships. And that's probably the biggest thing that I think, that's the elephant in the room. When the patient leaves the clinic... Have we talked about it? Have we addressed it? And if we're not addressing those relationships, how to make them healthier, then we're really doing a disservice to our patients. So that's the framework for why, how I approach it. Most of my patients feel very surprised, you know? And it's not the first thing. Rarely is it the first thing on a a new patient visit that I ask about. I don't ask, how's your sex life? That's not the right way to say it. I always preface, once I get to know the patient, develop a relationship, address the acute medical issues, once I've earned their trust and rapport, then – I start to preface and say, I'm going to ask you some personal questions that I ask all my patients. And that wording is very important, right? I'm going to ask you a couple of personal questions that that I ask all my patients, and then I start a line of intimacy. And I get the vibe. If they feel a little upset or uncomfortable, I let it be. And however, most of the time, the overwhelming majority of the time, they're surprised, they're relieved, and it starts a dialogue.
1: So basically, my understanding from everything that you said is that we should really look at sexuality as something that's a major important thing in, in life, that just like establishing relationships with your family, you know, everyone has relationships with significant others, and we need to make sure that that is addressed just the same. That's right. Now, you briefly started to talk about how you approach this with patients. What's the optimal time to start asking this question? I mean, you know, there's, we obviously, when we first see our patients, we need to make sure that you know, we control their disease and we're taking care of all the other stuff. You said there's a million other things we have to take care of, preventive medicine, et cetera. When is the appropriate time to first bring this up to patients?
0: I like how you asked me that. There is no appropriate time. I mean, certainly in the midst of a severe flare, that's probably not the best time, but usually you want to address the patient's acute issues, get them well, get them better, okay? But even on a well patient visit, right, when our patients are doing well, they're taking their meds, they're in great mucosal healing and life is great, That's probably not the time to do a quick five-minute in and out. That is the time to actually sit down and talk about this, right? And say, hey, everything looks great, but let's talk about this. And ask them how their social lives are doing. Are they happy with their intimacy lives, right? Mm -hmm. So that's probably the best time to talk about it when all is well. A couple of things that we need to be careful, though, of are respecting the boundaries, right? Being open of different cultural practices, and what their religious preferences are, and how that might play into their society, and into their, in terms of their cultural values when it comes to intimacy, body language is very key. Not something we can easily teach in this little conversation here. The biggest concern that I get from clinicians when I talk to them about this is they're they're afraid of opening up a can of worms, and I get that. Right? It's an uncomfortable subject. We're not trained in it, but just because we're not trained in talking about intimacy and sexual health doesn't mean that we have to be the solution. You know, have the solution in our pocket. So there's so many different types of therapists, sexual counselors, pelvic floor specialists, people who have trained specifically to help patients with sexuality and intimacy issues that we can open the door, open the conversation, and then point them in the right direction, that there are resources to help them with their issues. So it's not about opening up a can of worms. It's finding the problem and helping them find other resources. So we're actually just
1: the conduit towards resources to help themselves. So what sort of problems are patients facing with either Crohn's ulcerative colitis, either just with symptoms they're having or post-surgically? What are some of the things that people will, or you'll ask specifically about, or what people come to you asking about? So that's a complex question. It depends honestly on stage of
0: life and medicines and surgery, like you said. So when we talk about our adolescence, right? When inflammatory bowel disease hits us when we're youngest, that's when we're developing. We're going through puberty. Now we're on steroids, right? And if acne and hirsutism, acne wasn't a problem already. Steroids are going to give you hair where you didn't want it to grow. You may have malabsorption from your IBD and have stunted growth. Steroids have endless side effects, right? Cushingoid, body habitus, whatnot. So, all these things can affect our sense of well being. It can delay onset of menses, onset of that pubertal change, and that can affect us too as we're growing and developing socialization skills. So, when I speak to clinicians and I ask them, they have the young adult who is developing, right? That is the most fragile time. And again, in our Western society, we talk about body image issues and, and the discrepancy between what is beautiful and what is the ideal image, right? So, our young to say the least, are deeply afflicted by what an ideal body image is, and this affects their ability to have relationships or develop intimate environments. So that is a fragile population that needs to be addressed. We talk about surgery, right? Surgery can be disfiguring. It you know, some people, when you sit down and talk to them, they feel less whole. And these feelings are sad to have, right? But they're understandable if that's how they feel. But it's important to address in advance of a surgery to help them anticipate what does a scar going to look like? How is that going to feel, to feel comfortable in your own skin? Are patients who have to go through ostomies? Many patients have a fulfilling life with an ostomy, but part of the setup mentally, emotionally, really involves education about what's an ostomy going to be like. right? And there's countless resources on the web, in print, on video, tons of vloggers that you can find in social media talking about their experiences with ostomies too. So it's important to pick out the patient population. What are the risk factors for dissatisfaction in their body image or intimacy? The other thing that we don't talk about is sex itself. When we have surgery, pelvic surgery especially, the nerves can accidentally be injured. Okay? There can be scar tissue that wraps around certain pelvic floor muscles. And so you can have painful intercourse. In women, we call this dysperiunia. And there are many factors that can be addressed from lysis of adhesions to anal manometry to look for pelvic floor dysfunction to vaginal dilators for stenosis. As we age, no matter what, whether we have IBD or not, hormones change and you can have vaginal atrophy. So estrogen creams and hormonal therapies can be helpful in our female patient population there. Men, though, They definitely don't talk about this, right? And they're equally affected, right? So I talked about nerve injury. That can also lead to erectile dysfunction, okay, or poor lubrication, inability, or painful intercourse as well. But, again, if you look hard enough, you can find some way to help cope
1: or help manage the symptoms and make their sexual function improve. You are sort of the ideal guest to have because you read my mind with the questions I want to ask you. You (laughs) talked about body image, you talked about post-surgical anatomy affecting body image, and you talked about the actual physical complications associated with intercourse, both the dyspareunia uh, pain with intercourse and also sexual dysfunction, whether it's men who have trouble getting erections because of confidence issues or with women who are worried about body image and also pain with intercourse. So, Thank you for answering those questions. You mentioned briefly earlier about resources for both on the internet, but also health practitioners who can help you out. So who do you refer people to for various sexual dysfunction issues? So there are
0: many resources, like you said. There are urogynecologists for both men and women who can help specialize in looking at causes for sexual dysfunction. Sometimes it's just checking the medication list, and and you can find a common medicine that causes their ED, for instance. But there's many certified urogynecologists. There's also, when it comes to ostomies, there's also the UOA.org, which is the United Ostomy Association of America, I believe it is. And they have a wonderful website. They have 60 years of almost six years, I believe, of literature that they've well developed, better than anybody, to address, you know, what it's like living with an ostomy, and they have literature on sexual health as well. There's also an American Association for sex therapists, counselors, and educators, and they have certified directories for individuals who have trained and been certified and licensed to help individuals who are afflicted with issues with intimacy or sexuality, and you can find the directory that's available all across America. And, uh, you know, we're lucky in our major city here in Philadelphia that we have many people who are qualified to help our our patients. The key, though, is taking advantage of these resources and getting patients connected to the resources because patients don't know. And that's why we're here today. We're here to educate our brethren, educate our fellow clinicians that this is a conversation we should have. We have to broach the subject so that we can connect our patients to the right resources. So there's also other patient advocacy organizations. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is also very useful. It can reach out into local communities. There's other patient advocacy organizations as well, Girls with Guts, 18 and Up, Crohn's and Colitis. So there's many different organizations that can help our patients find resources for better sexuality and intimacy
1: fulfillment. Yeah, so I think we've talked about a lot of issues today, and I want to thank you for joining me. I think we've talked about an important topic that just isn't talked about too much, and if you go to the national meetings, they frequently talk about this as one of the things that we just forget to talk about. So I'm glad you informed us on a lot of issues today, and hopefully we can help some people address this problem. Me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem.
0: The preceding episode was brought to you in collaboration with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. If you have missed any part of this discussion or to find others in the series, Visit reachmd.com slash foundation.